Well, good morning to everyone. It is my privilege to be here with you today. Usually, I am not away from my own church on Sunday mornings, except in one condition, and that's if I'm going to go speak on issues of child care and foster care. I was very thankful at the beginning of the service. I was looking at your slides, and I saw one for Care Portal, and I know your church has been involved with helping with Care Portal. And when I was in Cincinnati in September at the Christian Alliance for Orphans, Care Portal was very well represented, and they thank every church like yourselves that are helping make a difference in children's lives. So usually, Jenny and I, when we talk about me speaking on Sundays and not being in my own church, she's like, okay, nobody cares about Dead Sea Scrolls. You can't leave for that reason. Nobody cares about this. You can't go for there. But if you want to talk about foster care, fine. Today was an exception. Joseph, I get to talk about Joseph today here in Glendora, but we're Glendora residents. We've lived here for 20 years this June. Uh, I was reflecting on that, and we're going to talk a lot about reflection this morning. But uh, I have been at APU for 16 years. I've served various roles, uh, professor in the School of Theology. I've served as the Dean of the School of Theology, Interim Dean of the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences. This year, I'm in an interim role of Associate Provost of Faculty Affairs. But this year, I got to go back to the classroom halftime, which I have absolutely loved. Uh, my world is really Hebrew and Aramaic, Dead Sea Scrolls. So if uh, you ever want to convince Tim to do a trip to Israel, I'll come right alongside him and we'll go do a trip together. Have any of you ever been to Israel on a trip? Did it change the way you read scripture? For most people, they see it when they see the places on the ground. So as I said, we're going to talk a lot about reflection. The time of Lent is a time for us to get our hearts prepared for Palm Sunday and Good Friday and Easter. Getting our hearts ready as we reflect on our own human condition. Well, before service, I was even reflecting with Gary and Glory, and we were talking about their 41 years here at uh, Glendora and made me think of our 20 years here and then seeing the care portal. I'm very much in a reflective state of mind. And honestly, this weekend, I found myself reflecting a lot to this time last year. My UCLA Bruins were in the final four. <laughs> there was a moment on ESPN where there were millions of brackets submitted where I was in the 100 percentile because my UCLA Bruins, where I did my PhD, were still in the tournament. I mean, out of 12, 15 million, to be in the 100 percentile, I felt really good until Gonzaga came along. <laughs> so it did not do my heart any damage to see Gonzaga lose earlier in the tournament this year. And I think all of us this afternoon uh, are going to realize that St. Peter's is really doing a truly amazing thing. And they're going to reflect on this moment for years, for years and years. So reflection. As I mentioned, uh, Jenny and I are going to actually next year celebrate our 25th anniversary. We met in Jerusalem. We were both study abroad students. Uh, kind of my standing joke is that when Jenny and I met in Jerusalem, she called her parents in Texas and said, I think I found someone here in the Middle East. <laughs> they got a little nervous. <laughs> then they found out I was from California and just got downright angry. Because you mentioned In-N-Out before, uh, I have made the mistake in Texas to suggest that In-N-Out is the greatest hamburger in the world. Have any of you ever heard of Whataburger? I have been in an In-N-Out Whataburger fight before, of which you just walk away when you know the truth. When you know the truth, you just walk away. So uh, uh, people often will say that Jenny and I are in the wrong place here in Southern California. My middle name's Ray, so I guess uh, Bobby Ray and my wife's middle name is Lynn. So Bobby Ray and Jenny Lynn don't belong in Southern California. 
But again, reflection, thinking about the past. What I love about the time of Lent is it's a moment where we pause in the liturgical year and we say, who are we? Where have we come from? Where do we need to go? And who's the person who's going to get us there? And that's through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Next week, um, or last week, uh, Tim talked about kind of the great reversal. I know next week is going to be really the dramatic moment of this Joseph cycle. And when Tim first told me you were doing Joseph for this Lenten season, at first I was like, that's an interesting choice. I hadn't thought about that before. But when I think about the whole Joseph story, I mean, it's a story of redemption. It's a story of redeeming relationships. It's a story of redeeming hope in a future. It was ultimately the story of redeeming a nation. Because without the Joseph story, you could have had Jacob and his family die of starvation in the land of Canaan. So this is this great redemption story of which we reflect on it during this time of Lent. So what are the things that cause you to reflect? I know for me there's songs. I only have to hear a few bars of them and streams of memories come back. There can be places I drive past and instantly I'm taken back to a different time and a different place. There are uh, moments in the year where just the fact that it's that date or that season will take me back to sometimes a joyous moment or a tragic moment. My goal for us today is to really look at this section of the Genesis narrative and ask those questions about reflecting. We're going to look at three areas of reflection. Reflection on loss, reflection on betrayal, and reflection on renewed relationships. We're going to conclude with me saying, you know what, none of us are in any one of those boxes, but we actually are simultaneously in multiple of those boxes at the same time. And this season of Lent, as we look forward to the cross, how can we take all those reflections to the foot of Jesus? Now, as I was preparing, I said, okay, so what would be a song that would take me back? And for whatever reason, the Bobby McFerrin song, Don't Worry, Be Happy, came to my mind. How many of you remember that Bobby McFerrin song when it originally came out in 1988? Why does it bring back memories to me? Well, it was my freshman year of high school in Yucaipa, California. My freshman year of high school, it was the building of the floats for homecoming. Uh, our school, I think, Glendora, we built floats for homecoming, right? You do a homecoming thing. Um, we were building, and for whatever reason, that song, about every sixth song would come on the radio. It would come on, I don't know, Kiss FM or something like that. And uh, even as I was thinking about songs, there was a couple year period when I was living in Jerusalem. Leave, come back, was in my parents' car driving in Yukaipa, flipping on the radio station. And for some reason, K Earth 101 went from oldies, like Elvis and Beatles, and was all of a sudden playing U2 and others. It was a two year period where I realized somehow in this two years, I jumped an entire generation. So what was cool music to me when I was a kid is now on the oldies station. Where's a location that whenever I hear about it or drive past it, it brings back a lot of memories? Queen of the Valley Hospital. Queen of the Valley Hospital in 2007, we had an emergency delivery of our twins that are now 14, 15 in a few weeks. Uh, Glendora High School freshman. But I can't go past that place without a rush of memories coming back. Because it was a little bit of a touch and go for a few weeks there. And it brings me back to a place where I just am so grateful to God for what he's provided. 
a time that brings back memories. March 12th, 2020. I had some meetings at the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. I was uh, somehow comped one of those United Club passes at LAX. I mean, I thought this was fantastic. I was excited. I was going to be there an hour or two before at the United Club, then get on my flight to D.C. and all that. I sit down, look up at the TV, and CNN headline news, COVID-19. Everywhere. I was on my outbound flight to D.C., I got to DC, kept the news going, and realized we're in a weird time of world history. Well, the conference was supposed to be Friday, Saturday, and then we were all flying home on Sunday. By Friday afternoon, the conference organizer said, we're closing it down, you're getting on planes, and you're all getting home, because we don't know if you can get home if we don't do this now. Maybe someday I'll be in that United Club again, but I know there will never be a time I can go in there and not take me back to that moment in March of 2020 that changed all of our lives and have changed our lives still to this day. Well, as I mentioned, the Middle East, I've been able to travel and I've been very fortunate to be all over the Middle East, Israel, Jordan, Cyprus, Turkey, Egypt. And this whole Joseph narrative is all about Egypt. Last week, Tim mentioned even how the Nile River because there isn't a lot of rain in Egypt itself. The Nile is such a fertile valley there because of the rains that are much farther up in the hills in central Africa, places like Sudan and others where they have snowfall and then it makes this huge river. So they're utterly dependent. Well, as I was reading that, heard Tim last week as I went back and reviewed the video, it took me back. I reflected on a time I was at a place called Elephantine Island. Elephantine Island is in southern uh, Egypt. There should be a picture here coming up in just a second. And this island right here is right in the middle of the Nile River. Uh, many, many miles south of Cairo today, if you've ever been to Egypt. But on this island, they have evidence of why the Nile is so vitally important, not just for crop production, but for taxes. So the next couple slides is going to be what's called a Nilometer. I didn't make this up, that's what they're actually called. You can Google it later, nylometer. But you see all of these little markings on the rocks there on this Elephantine Island. Depending on where the water is at different times of the year, and one of the slides here in a minute will show the water levels there, they would assess how productive your field should be, and thus how much grain you will give to the central authority for the good of all. That's an interesting taxation system. However rain is at one time of year is how much grain you better produce later in the time of year. Um, but again, this plays into this whole narrative of the fact that Joseph, in his wisdom, was able to produce grain that sustained his family. What he was doing, he had no idea that years later would protect his family from the production of the Nile River Valley. This place, Elephantine, is also interesting because we have some of our earliest Aramaic papyri ever found. Uh, and it is one of these papyri that's going to be shown here, is our earliest mention of the Passover outside of the Bible. So we have all over the Bible Passover mentioned, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. But uh, this 5th century BC papyrus was found, and it was from a Jewish mercenary group. There's two words you don't often put together. Jewish mercenary group that was living on Elephantine Island that was writing in correspondence to Jerusalem. 
And in this letter, they actually were talking about Passover and uh, celebrating Passover and everything there. This island is fascinating. And for me, when I'm reading these stories, I'm reflecting back to these archaeological digs, these places that are there. But this river, this Nile River, is what was able to make Joseph provide sustenance for his family. The first week of this series, Tim showed a graphic that had the three major participants that are going to show up again in our story today. So in this uh, graphic, you had Jacob, the brothers, and Joseph. Some of you might remember this from a few weeks ago. As you can see is from uh, Walter Brueggemann, Jacob was someone who loved too much. The brothers were being loved too little. And Joseph was being loved too much. And Tim unpacked that a little bit. But today we're going to be looking at that again. We're going to be looking at the brothers and their reflection at this time. We're going to be looking at Jacob and the reflection he was doing and what was going on in his life in Genesis 42 and 43. And then we're going to conclude looking at Joseph and what he was going through in this time of reflection. What's really fascinating about these two chapters of Genesis 42 and 43 is it really is this pivot right before the climax of the story. We have this moment of this could go either direction. And I know for all of us, we have those moments in life where when we look back, we realize how different life would have been had I chosen A rather than B. Had I decided this rather than that. And this is a moment here where depending on how this narrative resolves, it's either going to bring a family together and it's going to bring redemption or it's going to tear it apart. So these three areas, reflection on loss, reflection on betrayal, and reflection on renewed relationships. Because of the nature of these passages, I wasn't going to read a large section at the beginning, but I will have several sections of Genesis 42 and 43 that's going to reflect on each of these different individuals. So let's start with Jacob. Jacob, the father. Reflection on loss. In the beginning of 42 and then into 43, we see Jacob playing this role of uh, even in some ways trading one son for another son. We see him saying, I am willing to sacrifice Simeon because I'm not willing to sacrifice Benjamin. I'm sure people could do an incredible study on the dysfunctionality of the families in the book of Genesis. It really is one where it is so amazing just how much drama and problems there were. So here we have in Genesis 42, 1 through 5, and then I'll pick it up in 43, or 42, 36. When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you just keep looking at each other? He continued, I heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. The 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt, but Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brothers, with the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him. So Israel's sons were among those who went to buy grain, and there was a famine in the land of Canaan also. And then jumping ahead to 42, 36. Their father Jacob said to them, you have deprived me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more. And now you want to take Benjamin. Everything is against me. 
obviously you see the powerful sense of loss that Jacob felt. He was reflecting on Joseph. He was now reflecting on Simeon, which again is really, I hadn't noticed it until I was studying this last week, that uh, Simeon, when all of this uh, uh, events happen in, in Egypt, uh, Simeon was kept as collateral that they would indeed come back and bring Benjamin. It seems to me when you read the text that Jacob had basically said, my love for Benjamin is so much and my fear to lose him, I've lost Simeon. He just got rid of Simeon. I wonder how that spoke to the other brothers too. Hmm, what if I had been the one who had been left behind, not Simeon? This could have been Judah or Issachar or Levi, any of the other ones. But again, they came and said, we can go back and get grain as long as we bring Benjamin and we'll be fine. And the father's like, nope, I'm not willing to lose Benjamin. Sorry, Simeon. This reflection on loss and even having to choose one son over another. I mean, what a painful, painful experience. I was probably over-psychologizing this, but it was interesting. The Hebrew word throughout this passage for grain is the word shever. And this word grain comes from the Hebrew verb that means to be broken, to break. And as I was reading it, and actually I did find a Jewish commentary that was kind of touching on this subject too, is that when you're in a time of loss, you really have two routes you can go. You can become broken or you can become bitter. And even that word shever for grain and this concept of shavar to be broken is one that really hit me as I was reading this passage that Jacob was really wrestling on what to do. He was convinced if he sent Benjamin, he would experience loss one more time. And it would be a loss that probably would do him in. Probably had some self-preservation going on there to say, do you know what? I'm sorry that Simeon's where he's at, but I cannot lose Benjamin. That would break my heart. Those kinds of challenges that were going on. This passage is also interesting in the way it deals with Jacob and Israel. So as you look through 42 and 43, and I would encourage any of you who want to go back and read all of the two chapters later today uh, to get the whole flow of the narrative, you see the name Jacob, and in other places you see the name Israel. Jacob and Israel, interchangeable names for the same person, but they do seem to be interestingly placed in what the narrator is trying to let us know is that Jacob is in an identity crisis. Is he the loving father of Benjamin? And I will say here, Jacob. Or is he the father of a nation and is responsible for everybody, Israel? Look at the passages that are here on the screen. Genesis 42.1, when Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you keep looking at one another? 42.4, but Jacob did not send his brother, send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers, for he feared that harm might come to him. 42.5, thus the sons of Israel were among the other people who came to buy grain for the famine had reached the land of Canaan. 42.29, when they came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan, they told him all that happened to them. Next slide. 42:36 and their father Jacob said to them, "I am the one you have bereaved of children. Joseph is no more, Simeon is no more, and now you would take Benjamin? All this has happened to me." And now pivoting to 43, Israel said, 
why did you treat me so badly as to tell that man you had another brother? 43.8, then Judah said to his father Israel, send the boy with me and let us be on our way so that we may live and not die, you and we and also our little ones. As the narrative gets closer to Israel now having to decide, yes, I'm going to send Benjamin. I will help save the whole family. It moves from calling him Jacob to calling him Israel. I just find that really fascinating that we all live in very complicated lives where our responsibilities are never unilateral. We have responsibilities at work. We have responsibilities of families. We have responsibilities to friends. We have responsibilities at church. And at times, these responsibilities conflict with one another. I really think here, Jacob, as he's reflecting on this loss, he's in this moment of, I cannot lose Benjamin. I'm sad that I lost Simeon, but I cannot lose Benjamin. But he came to a point where he realized his ultimate responsibility was not to himself or his one child, but to the whole nation and the people. As you reflect on your own loss, where are those moments where even past difficulties are still affecting the present? That's a question that I have thought about a lot lately as I have been in somewhat of a reflective mood the last uh, several months. And I've thought, what are things from the past that unbeknownst to me, I'm still allowing to affect the future and even the present in ways that is not good for all. So reflection on loss. Now, what about the brothers? Reflection on betrayal. 42, 21, and 22. We have the brothers now thinking they were not being heard. They're sitting there talking amongst themselves as Joseph is playing this game with them, talking through a translator, and they think that Joseph doesn't understand when they have sidebar conversations saying, hey, you realize we brought this on ourselves. They're reflecting on their own betrayal of their brother Joseph in front of Joseph that they didn't realize. 42, 21, and 22. They said to one another, surely... Surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when we pleaded with him for his life, but we would not listen. And that's why this distress has come upon us. But Reuben replied, didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an accounting for his blood. They did not realize that Joseph could understand them since he was using an interpreter. So, and I did just realize that... uh, section up there and what I'm reading are a little different, even though they're both NIV. This is the newest NIV, I guess, from Zondervan. I got, uh, I'm actually under contract with Zondervan right now for a Hebrew dictionary, so they sent me a new Bible, and it came right at the right time, because the the letters are huge. (laughs) For whatever reason, one of the COVID takeaways for me is that I'm now having to do this thing. Um, That's a moment in life where you start realizing your own, maybe that's making me reflective, but it's really big, so this has now become my go-to Bible because I can anywhere I put it, I can still see it. It's nice and big, but it's the updated NIV, so it doesn't correspond exactly with uh, the NIV from 1984, I believe it was. But um, So I apologize for that. Maybe during the service we'll get them on the same uh, page there. Um, yeah, back to reflection. There was this one summer, I don't know what it was, probably six or seven years ago, I was still teaching off and on. Well, I went from one summer 
spring semester where students would say things to me like, hey, you remind me of my older brother, or you remind me of my cousin, or you remind me of this or that. So all of a sudden, one fall I show up a few months later, and the student said, do you know what? You remind me of my grandpa. I was like, <laughs> that's a moment of life to, hard to reflect on. But here we have Jacob's brothers reflecting on the betrayal. They're sitting there in front of Joseph saying, we did this to Joseph. We brought this on ourselves, reflecting on betrayal. I mean, in some ways, it has been a long time since they have seen Joseph. It's been over a decade. He has changed. They have changed. They didn't recognize each other. The past will catch up to us. And how do we deal with those moments of betrayal? Numerous years ago when I was at UCLA, I taught one course at the University of Judaism, just a generic Bible course. Student in that class, great, great student, went on. Several years later, I received an email from the student. Me and everyone in her email address book. So just pause a moment and think, how many people, if you went back and looked at all the emails you've ever sent, how many people are we talking? I mean, it's hundreds and hundreds of people. Well, right around Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement in the Jewish calendar, which is the day to make sure that you have gotten right with everybody. Uh, she wrote this letter and she said, you know what, Yom Kippur is coming. I want to make sure on Yom Kippur that I'm able to stand before the creator of the universe and say that I have done everything I can to be right with everyone around me. So please write me an email. Let's talk or whatever. There's a window in, uh, in Judaism from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur where uh, that is the goal, is to make sure you make right with everybody. That was so impacting to me because I started thinking, if I went back in my life and found anyone that I may have ever offended and I was willing to say, please come tell me. And I even thought that would be a wonderful, in Lenten season, wonderful theme for uh, churches to adopt is something in that venue of in this Lenten season, if there are people that you have betrayed, reflect on that and make it right. Reflect on that and make it right. The final reflection, reflection on renewed relationships. 43, 29 through 31. So in Genesis 43, 29 through 31, then he looked up and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? God be gracious to you, my son. With that, Joseph hurried out because he was overcome with affection for his brother and he was about to weep. So he went into the private room and wept there. Then he washed his face and came out and controlling himself, he said, serve the meal. This would make a wonderful, as I think of the chosen, some of these other movie renditions of scripture. I mean, this moment is just so powerful. Here is Joseph, who probably the last time he saw Benjamin, Benjamin was a little kid. He's a little brother. The only other child from his mother. And now he's standing right in front of them. And Joseph is reflecting on this renewed relationship. Several weeks ago, I somewhat renewed a relationship. I've kept it over the years. But one of my childhood friends is now the uh, athletic director at Ukaipa High School. He calls me up and says, hey, I'm going to be in Glendora this week. I said, sure, what are you doing? He's like, well, my daughter's the goalie on the water polo team for Ukaipa. We're playing Glendora and CIF and on and on and on. So, um, hey, come to the match and let's chat afterwards. So I went to the match. 
I was conflicted. I grew up in Yukaipa. Here I am, Glendora. What do I do? What do I do? Yukaipa ended up winning significantly and then went, in, went on to win CIF in women's water polo. Did a uh, wonderful job. But uh, he and I were able to chat about childhood. We were very close in junior high and then went different ways in high school and then and all of that. But uh, here we have a Joseph who for more than a decade has not seen any of his family. Now they're right before him. He's had this whole game back and forth of what's it going to look like? Is he going to choose grace or is he going to choose retribution as he reflects on this renewed relationship? I mean, I think we've all had those moments where we've wondered when walking through an airport or somewhere else, are we going to just run into that person from the past? Are we going to be gracious and kind or are we going to remind them of what they've done to us? I mean, those realities, reflections on a renewed relationship. We have a little bit of foreshadowing here because we do see, even in uh, the way Joseph responds, that he is going to choose grace. We won't um, uh, put it up on the screen, but Genesis 37, 25, when the brothers sold Joseph into slavery, says, then they sat down to eat and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels, carrying gum, balm, and resin on their way to carry it down to Egypt. And then here in 43, 29, then he looked up and saw his brother, Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, is this your younger brother of whom you spoke to me? God be gracious to you. And they sat down and ate. In both of these two pivotal moments in Joseph's life, the brothers were sitting down eating. One time they were sitting down eating and sold him into slavery with no grace for him at all. Joseph now is standing here, sitting down with them to eat, and we know he's going to choose grace. As we think of these groupings of characters, the brothers, Joseph, Jacob, they're all reflecting on very, very different things. This morning, I have focused on these main characters in the life of Joseph as representatives of different types of reflection. The reality is, is that during the season of Lent, we should reflect on all three of these. We have all experienced loss, particularly the past year or two. We've all betrayed others in the past. We've all had renewed relationships that need God's grace to move forward. What are you reflecting on this year? In this time of Lent, let all of these reflections lead you to the cross. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come to you in a time of reflection as we consider the life of Joseph and how everyone in this story was hurting because of something that happened to them or something they did to others. I pray that as we go through the next two weeks, as we approach Easter, we are reminded of our human frailty. We're reminded of our need for a savior and that we will come to the cross with all of these reflections and hand them to you. First in your name I pray, amen.